Tech Talk. Tech Talk. With Jess Kelly. This, this is News Talk. Welcome to Tech Talk, Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. Coming up this week, we'll meet Irish audio brand OneSonic to hear about their success to date in creating affordable headphones. Derek Riley reviews one of the most anticipated electric vehicles of 2021 and we'll have all of the gaming news from this week, including release dates for some of the titles that will no doubt be big sellers this Christmas. As always, you can email the show techtalk at newstalk.com or you'll find me on Twitter at JessKellyNT. But first, One Sonic Audio Technologies is an Irish company that appeared on the market last year with both in-ear and on-ear headphones. I reviewed them on the Pat Kenny Show and I was incredibly impressed by the quality of the products alongside the very affordable price tag. David Cawley is the founder and CEO of the company and he joins me now. So David, anybody that uh, listens to the Pat Kenny show here on News Talk or follows my Instagram Q&As will have heard of uh, One Sonic Audio Technologies. I recommend your headphones all of the time because they are just brilliant. But before we talk about the product, can you just tell us a little bit about the company? Who is involved and what are your backgrounds? Sure. Hi, Jess, and hi to your listeners. Um, So basically... Um, I've been working in audio and acoustics for 20 years almost, and I've been a musician, musician since I was four years of age. So I guess that's kind of where I'm coming from. But um, And I set up another company, Allegro Acoustics, in 2010, which specializes uh, in the design of acoustics and audio. And basically, I was on holidays actually a couple of years ago, and I bought a pair of um, wireless Bluetooth earphones in the airport on the way out. Uh, I'm not going to mention the brand, but they weren't cheap anyway, and I expected a lot more than what I got. And it just kind of dawned on me that, you know, we could actually do this ourselves because we had the expertise. We've been working in the industry for a long time. Um, and it sounds obvious now, but I never, we'd never thought that we could actually have an Irish audio technology brand. It's not because we haven't ever had one before. So um, it hadn't really occurred to us. And I figured, you know, uh, we should, we should we should enter this market. So I basically went off myself when I got back and uh, started working on my prototype. And a couple of months later, I presented that to my team and we did a bit of, you know, Q&A with the guys and people gave their opinions. And I've, one of the great things about my team is that they're they're honest, like very honest and sometimes too honest. But <laughs> that got us um, that got us a starting point. And from there, we, we really began, you know, I, from there, I really realized that we could actually we could actually develop um, one Sonic in such a way that we'd have products on the market. And that's where we've ended up now. It's interesting that you mention, um, you know, buying another product and realizing that it's not great. This is something that that happened that has happened to me in the past. And I've often gone in and not bought the cheapest option, not bought the, the highest option, bought the mid-range option thinking, sure, look, how bad can they be? Like they're the mid-range option. They're not throwaway inexpensive. And then you're disappointed by the quality. And sometimes that's because, uh, you know, you're paying more for the brand than you are for the technology. There's loads of reasons why um, a product could be disappointing. But I'm interested to learn how you guys went about not only establishing an Irish audio brand, but one that was of a really high quality, but not a ridiculously high price tag. Yeah, sure. Um so we have always had sound quality, audio quality, the music listening experience as our number one guiding feature. Okay. 
Um, because a lot of you know modern audio devices, they you know they do what they were initially supposed to do, which is play music, but also they do a whole lot of other things. So you know we basically focus, we prioritize that function as the number one thing because that is actually the number one reason people still buy audio devices. Again, it sounds obvious, but it, a lot of technology companies and larger brands, I think to an extent they may have lost sight of that. But we decided that that was our number one um, you know design design goal was to achieve a very good level of you know audio quality so that the music listening experience would be really good for the the user and i think that's why it comes across now when you use our products and you think you know there is great sound quality here this great product quality it's because we've never lost sight of that um that feature you know sound quality because it's that's the all important isn't it when it comes to mu- listening to your music mm. Um, so talk through some of the, the features because the, the ones that I often recommend and the ones that we were featuring on our Christmas gift guide last year, there was the in-ear buds and then there was the on-ear headphones. And I want to start by talking about the in-ear buds because I talk about um, you know the biggest brands, Samsung, the Apple AirPods, the Google Pixel Buds. And I couldn't get over the the quality and the, the sound quality as well of um the, the the one sonic audio ones as well because th- there wasn't a massive uh disparity i suppose between the sound quality of your uh in-ears versus the in-ears of some of those big players i've just mentioned from an engineering point of view and a background point of view what were the boxes that you wanted to tick and how did you ensure that you could deliver that without having the price bracket of you know 230 or 450 euro that some of them often do have yeah, so, uh, well, you need to keep in mind that, um, you know, Apple, some of these other big brands like Samsung, uh, these are the biggest corporations in the world, you know, and they have the highest levels of revenue and the highest levels of profit in, in, on the planet. And that, that's, that's a re- there's a reason for that. Uh, in, our, in our case, we put a lot of work into our R&D uh, design process, um, you know, making continual tweaks. Once we got our design up to a level that we knew, okay, we're, we're within sight of an end here. Um, we, we, you know, continue tweaks and really polishing off um, the product so that it, it works really well. And that, that's where we've put a, a huge amount of time and effort in is, is in design. And I think that that has paid off now um, because the, the finished product that the consumer will buy is, is a really good product. So I guess for us, it's just been, you know, not, not losing sight of that, that goal of product quality, sound quality. And, um, you know, using the design process and being very intensive in the design process to bring the product to that level. And then obviously, you know, from a manufacturing perspective, there's a whole lot of work goes in in terms of controlling manufacturing and making sure that things end up the way that you want them to end up. So we've basically covered our bases. You know, when you start a, when you start a company like OneSonic and nobody in this country has done it before and all we have is experience we've learned through working with other people internationally, you know, essentially in our position, we have to do everything right. We can't get any anything wrong. We can't get a single thing wrong. We can't get a single detail wrong. Um, and I've often been criticized for being a bit OCD and a bit over the top when it comes to detail. But I think that's probably not a bad thing now because, um, you know, we, we, we really didn't take our focus off any particular detail for our product. And that, that shows in the product now, I think. And, you know, if you're comparing our product with some of the bigger brands that have, you know, product that's twice and three times the price and from a quality perspective, in your opinion, we we compete, and I I agree with that. That that's a result for me. So, and that's where we want to stay as a brand. As a brand, that's where we want to keep on Sonic is is always you know, matching that high level of performance. How did you go about um, building up the brand and 
getting people to try because you know when it comes to technology technology is not cheap I often say you know if you're paying more than 100 quid for anything that's an investment and I do truly believe that and I think when people buy a piece of technology that they're going to use every single day you know if they have a bad experience they're not going to trust your brand again so how did one sort of get in and infiltrate the customer base that may have just been buying, you know, the big brand headphones out of loyalty or out of not knowing that there was an alternative out there. How did you get your products into their hands? Yeah, I, I love how you, you use um, you use the word infiltrate, Jess. I, I didn't know we infiltrated, but, but yeah. You've done good. it, yeah. <laughs> um, well, I, I guess at the start, you know, when, when we launched our product, um, we basically came out of, out of nowhere, you could say, because we launched last October. And what, what, began, to, what began to happen really quickly was, you know, we launched the start of October and we were actually sold out on one of our products by the 29th of November. Um, you know, we, we didn't even make it as far as Christmas. And I think what actually happened was uh, people who bought our product um, told other people about the product. And there was a lot of word of mouth and, and a lot of organic growth there that, that we didn't actually expect to happen. Um, and then, you know, reviewers like yourself, and this is the first time we've spoken, actually. So uh, thanks for your, your review last year, by the way. Um, but reviewers like credible people like yourselves reviewed our product. And we sent our product to um, to some reviewers, people in technology who know what they're talking about. And we, we got a we got a very positive response there. So I think when you add all that up um, we we got a very, uh, a very strong start, I guess. And, you know, the consumer learned very quickly uh, that that this is a good brand this is a good product so I, I think that's probably what happened Jess mm. in terms of developing the the products and I suppose the evolution of the brand as well what what's next in store for you guys is it you know small tweaks to the existing products or are you extending the lineup yeah so we basically are continually um we're continually tweaking and continually improving our products and then you know another iteration comes out as the next generation or whatever and uh, we basically come the end of this year or for for christmas this year we're going to launch a pair of noise cancelling earbuds which we have we've just finalized in the last uh, six weeks in terms of design a uh, really great product They're, it's at a higher level we're keeping our initial vxs hd1 earphones and um, so the noise cancelling ear, earbuds are at a higher price point but they're, they're a fantastic product, basically noise cancelling, really good sound quality, nice mic, you know, so it does everything that you need it to do. Um, and we're also launching a speaker. And um, we had been working on a speaker for a, a number of years and we actually we actually changed our approach. We've gone with basically a, a really a party oriented speaker, basically. <laughs> I don't know if I should say that. My marketing guys probably like saying you shouldn't say you shouldn't say that. But basically what we wanted to do was uh, launch a Bluetooth speaker, which is good for a party. Um, and allows pairing capability. We've developed the whole surround sound thing with um, we're using just simple Bluetooth speakers. So we're, we've gone kind of down that route and that's that's what's coming next um, pre-Christmas 2021. And after that, in terms of future development, we're continually looking at um, and studying, you know, the evolution of our tastes and our perceptions of what good audio is. So we're on a, we're on a kind of a, a years long mission there. And that's, that's, that really is gonna help us dictate where we go kind of more medium to long-term. Yeah, I'm very excited to see what you guys do because I am someone that walks around with headphones on the entire time. I, I like when I'm in, like as I'm talking to you now, obviously I have on-ear headphones on in the studio. Um, on my way into work this morning, I had my in-ears in. I love and appreciate a good pair of headphones. 
But also because particularly with in-ears now, it's not enough just to have good sound quality. The battery life matters. The design matters. The pairing capabilities to your devices matters. Is all of that, um, is that a challenge or is it an opportunity for someone like yourself who comes just from the sound background side of things? Yeah, well, we, we partner there with, you know, companies like Qualcomm who specialize in, in that sort of stuff. And like, don't forget that um, Apple, when Apple started selling their, or sorry, when they, their new iPhones that they released like 12 months ago, they stopped selling earphones with those. So I guess there, there is an opportunity for us because people now are going out and looking at whatever brand they want in terms of earphones instead of using what, mm. what you get with your phone, you know. Um, but it doesn't, you know, it isn't really a challenge, no, Jess, because like we essentially could partner with some of the same companies that all the big phone guys partner with for their own products anyway. Um, oftentimes the similar technology, like, you know, for example, the Bluetooth chip that's in our earphones, we, we obviously don't design that ourselves. Apple don't design theirs themselves. Samsung don't, like you basically get one of the best one of the best guys you can get to do your, your chip for you. So we use Qualcomm quite a lot because Qualcomm are one of the best in the world um, in Taiwan. So, uh, yeah, no, it's not, it's not really a challenge for us. Um, so long as we integrate, we have a whole lot of troubleshooting and stuff to do, which takes a long time and, or indeed to integrate that technology with our technology. But apart from that, uh, once you get it right, it's done, you know. Mm. Well, as I said, I'm very excited to see what you guys have next. Um, we will, of course, bring you reviews of the new devices here on News Talk as soon as we can get our little hands on them. Um, but I wish you guys continued success. It's brilliant to see an Irish company powering their way through this field. Uh, and thank you so much for joining us here on Tech Talk. Thank you, Jess. Coming up next, we'll hear about one of the most exciting EVs of 2021. Tech Talk. Tech Talk. Rate and subscribe. Tech Talk at Newstalk.com is the email address as ever if you want to get in touch or you'll find me on Twitter at Jess Kelly NT. Uh, I'm joined once again by Derek Riley of the EV Review Ireland YouTube channel. Uh, Derek, what are we talking about this week? Today we are talking about probably one of the most anticipated EVs to hit the market this year in Ireland and it's the Hyundai Ionic 5. Okay, um, I have. Heard, I've actually. This is one of the few times that I've actually heard stuff about cars, and I kind of know what we're talking about. This seems to be, um, you know, a, a, a fully fledged EV that has a lot of bells and whistles to it that I think people will get excited by. Uh, so, for those who don't know, can you just talk us through why it's getting so much hype? I really don't know, to be quite honest. I released the review last weekend on my YouTube channel and it's got nearly 10,000 views already. I suppose a lot of people know the Hyundai um, history in making electric vehicles. Good value, great range, and what they've done with this vehicle, and they launched it in 2019 with the concept Ionic 45. Uh, and what they've done is just brought it up a level. So they really are starting to go toe-to-toe -to -toe against the big, large manufacturers, the Europeans, so the, the Volkswagens, the United States, the Teslas. Um, and some would say that they've been there for a while, but this one definitely is in the mix with all of those brands that we all know, like and love. And is this aimed at those looking for a good family car or is it for, for people who just want sort of a, a, a little motor to spin around the cities? Who's the target for this? This is a big size electric vehicle so it definitely would be targeted towards families okay great space in the back and great boot space and also uh, a space in the front and yes you can call that a fruit which is a front boot oh. or you can call it a frunk which is a front trunk 
I don't like either of those. <laughs> you can call it a front storage area. That, that, there we go. I don't like when words are merged together. It kind of <laughs> makes my skin itch. Um, so from a design point of view, this is, a, it's a good looking car. And, and as you said there, people will know Hyundai. They'll know the brand. Um, so talk to me a little bit about the interior of the car because it's when you open the door that you, you get hit by not only the basic things of like the nice seats and all the rest, but there's also an array of tech as well. For sure, yeah. So internally, they call it the smart living space. Mm. And because it's built on a platform that has the electric battery in between the four wheels, they're able to push the four wheels out to the four corners and make it as big as they possibly could inside. Flat floor, so lots of space, number one. But number two, you've got a lot of tech in there as well. It's not overloading, but there's two 12 and a quarter inch screens. There's fully reclinable seats. Now, when I say fully reclinable, Jess, I mean fully reclinable. Oh. Now, depending on the trim level, but you can get ones. And with that panoramic sunroof, you can lie back and look up at the stars. Or when you're charging the car, you can have a little nap. Whatever you want to do on these seats, we won't judge you. But so you have the tech in the front. You've got potentially a heads-up display as well, depending on the model. And what that does is as you're driving along, it projects onto the actual windscreen itself. And it'll show you your speed, what the speed on the road that you're on is at the speed limit. It'll also bring up some augmented reality uh, arrows to show you where to turn left or right or wherever it may be, go through a roundabout. So all lots of tech stuff going on on the inside. When you say the seats go fully back, how big is the back of the car if the seats can go fully back, if you know what I mean? Yeah, so when I'm I'm six foot two, 187 centimetres in new money. And when I'm sitting in it, I can still recline my seat nearly 180 degree flat so when i set the front seat up for me i can sit in behind it and there's still a, a nice bit of leg room in front of me as well so uh, yeah they've spread it out really well and the fact that they've got that flat floor in it uh, there's no move no issue between moving left to right uh, between seats if you wanted to scoot out the other door mm. uh, you're not getting over a big transmission tunnel well that is good to hear um obviously evs we, we need to know about the range and all that kind of jazz so two different battery sizes. There's the standard and the long range. And the so the long range will get you 481 and that's claimed. So what we mean by that, it's on a WLTP cycle. So all manufacturers use this test cycle to say, uh, so everybody understands the range. Now, some people think this is uh, sometimes over egging it and giving it too high of a range. I did a piece where I under—I now understand how they did this WLTP and how they do it. So there's a bit of urban driving, there's a bit of motorway driving. To, to answer your question, up to 481 kilometers. So when you think coast to coast, and we always like to reference Balmullet, mm-hmm. so Balmullet to Dublin is about 310 kilometers from Atlantic coast to Irish Sea. So if you can do 481, yeah, like there's nowhere in the country that you can't reach potentially on this. Now, motorway miles are going at a faster speed, will eat into that ambient temperature outside. So there's lots of different factors, but Hyundai in the past have always been good with their range estimation and what they've done uh, on their battery packs. And how did you find it during your review? I had it for 24 hours, so okay, it's difficult okay. to get around about. So I will hopefully be getting it for a longer spin from Hyundai Ireland. Um, but I found it, even for the bits I've doing, like when you go from around the M50, you're, you're starting to click up the kilometres without even realising it. Mm. Uh, anything I did within that 24 hours was on range and within it, but I am looking forward to doing a coast to coast cross country with it just to see if it does live up to it. But Hyundai in the past have always been very good. And is it an enjoyable drive? Because sometimes, you know, with these cars, particularly when there's cars that have a bit of hype around them, I remember going to, I won't mention the, the 
brand, but I went to um, a car launch and I was chatting to some of the people afterwards and they were like, yeah, like, yeah, like it's cool, but I don't know that I'd go out and spend my money on it. Looks on the outside of this are, it looks like a hatchback, so kind of like that golf shape traditionally, mm. but it is big. Like everybody says it, you see it in the picture, you, your brain goes, oh, that's a, a golf size car. But yeah. then when you see it in person, it's it's like four meters long. Like it is a big car. And so it, that little optical illusion, but then you have that retro style. And so a lot of people are looking at it because it's got pixelated lights. So it's kind of bringing you back to that eight bit. So there is that generation of 30s and 40s uh, and that are going, this is really kind of funky and cool and something totally different on the road. So there is a lot of buzz about it, pardon the pun, but we want uh, to make sure that it was a good quality car. To answer your question, very nice drive, smooth, uh, good quality um, feel to the steer and to the build. Uh, the suspension is set up well because it's a heavy car as well because it's got that battery pack in underneath. So that adds weight. So they have to kind of judge all that kind of stuff. I did Irish roads. I did cobblestones. Um, so yeah, good good drive, nice. And like any electric car, just it's a smooth, no messing. It's all electronic. Uh, it's all automatic transition uh, transmission. Mm. A very comfortable place and the sound insulation in it really good. Yeah, I I saw pictures of it the other day and it kind of looks and this is again me not knowing cars. To me, it, it kind of looked like a cross between a Nissan Qashqai and then there's elements of like a Land Rover or something like that about it. When you see it from different angles, it is much bigger. I'd imagine when you see it in person, it is much bigger than the head-on image would allow you to believe. For sure. Yeah. Everybody thinks it's one size. And then when they see either my review or you see pictures or videos of people standing beside it or sitting in it, Mm. then you go, oh, this is a lot bigger. Uh, And they're they're already on the road. People have bought them. So I'm seeing on some of the social media groups that people are really happy with it. Great space, lots of space in the boot. And it has other tech features as well. So it has what's called an 800 volt uh, architecture inside. So what that means to everybody outside of EV world, it can just charge a lot faster. So if you can find those super fast chargers, it'll put 100 kilometers into the battery in eight minutes. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, we're getting to not quite filling up your tank with with petrol or diesel, but like when you put 100 kilometers in eight minutes, by the time you go in, have a coffee, go to the restroom and come back out again, you're ready to rock and roll again off to to your next stop. So that's one feature, really fast charging. But then they also have this vehicle to load or v to l what that means jess is you can plug in a socket into the charging port on the outside and then you can power stuff off that so you could actually charge another electric car you could you know uh, if you had a picnic area you could put up your air conditioning unit into your tent you could charge up your electric bicycle you could run um i've seen people run like bouncy castles off the back of it so now we're starting to see the benefits uh, and the potential with electric vehicles where if you're going off site, you're going camping, you're going going for a picnic and you need juice for something. Mm-hmm. This has the capability of doing it as well. In terms of because like I know we're in the second half of the year now. Um, what has been the standout EV of the year? Because you kind of hear from the big brands and obviously they have the, the, the deep pockets. They also have the brand recognition in terms of shouting about their EVs or their hybrids or whatever it is. Has there been one standout EV in terms of a family car that has really infiltrated the Irish market this year? The number one seller at the moment, which is the Volkswagen ID4. So they've had a head start on everybody else within the European market and got the car done. And what Volkswagen have done, 
group and also the likes of the Hyundai group, they've all built these modular platforms. So four tires, four wheels and a battery pack in the middle. And then you can plonk whatever you want on top of it. Give it a smaller battery, give it a bigger battery. So Volkswagen, number one EV sales in Ireland at the moment is the Volkswagen ID4. Then on the same platform, slightly smaller, the ID3. Then you've got your Teslas. So but this one seems to be generating a bit of interest because some people don't like the look of the Volkswagen ID4. Some people don't like how it drives. So this Hyundai Ionic 5 is really bringing it to the marketplace, a lot of interest in it. Then you've got the Skoda Enyaq that's sold out already for 2021. They got in an allocation and it's already gone. Uh, but a lot of people now are waiting for it. So Hyundai Motor Group have three parts, Hyundai, Kia, and then in some markets, they've got a brand called Genesis, which is their premium brand. But Hyundai Ionic 5, its cousin, from Kia, that's coming out in a couple of months too, and that's called the EV6. Same rough size, but a slightly more sleeker design. So as much as people wanted the ID4, really excited, sold well. They wanted the Skoda Enyaq, sold out. Now they wanted the Ionic 5, selling really well. And now everybody's like, I can't wait for the Kia EV6. (laughs) So there's lots of, like, I'm getting excited. It's it's sad, really. But uh, that's that's what I get excited about. And a lot of people are making that transition because it has the range, it has the space. Yes, yes, they are still expensive for what they are. And we're looking for that price parity. But... If you can charge at home at night, you can use your solar panels, you can go across the country without having to stop and charge. There's a lot of boxes being ticked at the moment and, and you're talking four or 5% of the market now are starting to move over towards electric and it's just getting bigger and bigger all the time as brands ring up more and more. Yeah, it's starting to make a lot more sense. In terms of pricing, um, how much is the Iconic 5? Starting from 37,000 odd, going all the way up. Then if you wanted do all wheel drive, two electric motors, bells and whistles and that will bring you up to around 66,000. Okay, okay. So okay, that's <laughs> We're but talking big money. People, I, I, yeah, big money, absolutely big money, but there are people that want that I want the biggest battery, I want all the power, I want four-wheel drive in case it gets they might live on top of a hill or a mountain and they, they get snow on a regular basis. I don't know where that'll happen, but mm-hmm. some people want four-wheel drive and they want that capability of towing something. So there's lots of factors in there so the manufacturers make them and they put a price in it. So they, they must see that there's market share there for them. So yeah, there's there's a range there. But the mid-30s is the sweet spot at the moment. That's where the ID4 is starting off at. There's a lot of that SUV electric kind of coming in at that mid-30 price. And we haven't brought in the Tesla Model Y yet, which is it's only just landed in Europe in left-hand drive. That's been the number one seller in the US for the last couple of years. So that isn't even in the marketplace yet. So that's going to bring in more competition as well. Yeah, it'll be super interesting to see, um, I suppose, trends from the new car sales in January, February, when, when you know, a lot of people usually will, st- will start to consider maybe buying a new car. And it'll be interesting to see if people do go um, towards the EV. You mentioned there about the manufacturers. I heard Geraldine Herbert on with Anton Savage on the hard shoulder here on News Talk during the week. They were talking about the impact, the chip shortage could have on um, car manufacturers. So like I've been talking to John Riley from the Effect.net about this over the last number of months. You know, we could have a PlayStation shortage come Christmas. We could have laptop shortages, phone shortages. Didn't really think about the car side of things, but it seems like some disruption is on the way. 
Yeah, for sure. What happened with the pandemic is uh, the manufacturers said, oh, no, we're not going to make cars because nobody's buying them. And they started putting pause on their agreements with the chip manufacturers. And then all those chip manufacturers went elsewhere. And when the car manufacturers started coming back on stream and producing cars in their, their hundreds of thousands, there was no chips there for them because they, they, the manufacturers of the chips had gone off elsewhere. So definitely we are seeing, seeing shortages of vehicles and people wanting to buy certain electric vehicles, not just electric vehicles, as Geraldine was saying, vehicles in general, because there's chips in everything. I know uh, Elon Musk was talking recently about they were missing a chip for um, that they wanted to use to make their new electric uh, Teslas, and it was the chip that looked after the airbag. So you can't really put a car out if you haven't got the chip that operates the airbag. So you need to make sure that uh, you've, you've got all, and that's where that supply chain management and that whole, and all of these manufacturers wanted to be as lean as they could we're not stockpiling any of our parts. We'll order them as we need them. But then when something happens, like what happened, and uh, you haven't got the chip there that to activate whatever it is, mm. uh, and it's the exact same in, in the EV space, uh, as Geraldine was saying, even just cars in general, there's chips and everything. Yeah, it'll definitely be one to watch because as much as this innovation that you just sort of listed off is super exciting, it is it, it does all kind of come back to having the parts to produce it. So we will absolutely uh, wait and see what happens there. Uh, if you want to see uh, Derek's review of the Iconic 5, you can absolutely do that along with everything else. You can just search for EV Review Ireland on YouTube. Uh, Derek, as always, thanks so much for joining us here on News Talk. Thanks, Jess. Tech Talk. Tech Talk. Rate and subscribe. Welcome back to the final part of this week's Tech Talk. Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. Tech Talk at Newstalk.com is the email address if you want to get in touch. And a quick reminder that Tech Bytes, our new YouTube series, is now available. Uh, you can head on over right now if you want and uh, go to YouTube, search for News Talk, hit subscribe, and you will find episode three, which is our hands on look at the Samsung Galaxy Z Flip 3. This is the foldable phone from Samsung that I am super excited about. Uh, I gave my full review, all of my thoughts and feelings, so you can head on over and watch that now, if you so wish. Um, On last week's show, we spoke to John Riley, and he mentioned that GamesCon uh, was taking place this week, and I'm delighted to say that he joins me once again. Uh, John, how are you? Great, Jess. How are you? I'm good. Um, I've been following, and actually I should say that if you want to follow John and his thoughts and feelings on games, uh, you can view them over on theeffect.net. I was following GamesCon online and there seemed to be lots of bits and pieces, but not really much of a, a wow factor. Am I unfair in saying that? It was, yes, um, yeah, and to a certain extent, it was slightly disjointed because it's just that time of year where people are kind of really revving up towards Christmas, but games are kind of being pushed off and delayed, unfortunately, just with everything that's been happening. So, you know, we, we can't, there was no massive reveals as such. There was nothing that was groundbreaking, but there were some really nice kind of updates, some nice uh, launch dates were given for some big titles, and just a kind of a, a, a good general sense of where the gaming industry is going as well with kind of features that are coming to the Xbox consoles in particular. Okay, well, let's start with Xbox then. So talk us through what we got from them. Yeah, so on Tuesday of this week, they had their kind of, they called it their Gamescom 2021 Xbox stream. So it was about 90 minutes long and they showed off kind of more Forza Horizon 5, one of our favorite racing games, which looks spectacular. That's coming out this November. They showed off a bit more about Psychonauts 2. Some listeners might have um, a fond memories of this game from 2005. The original came out in 2005, but Psychonauts 2 just launched this week to rave reviews. So that's getting some really nice kind of uh, 
media feedback and just gamer feedback. And then I guess one of the bigger things for me that came out of Xbox's event, which some people were a bit deflated by because they thought they'd see a lot more Halo. They thought they'd see any Halo, actually, because they didn't even talk about it. But they've been playing around with the cloud gaming or basically game streaming Mm -hmm. um, for the last 18, maybe even two years now in beta. And they're still kind of testing it out on different consoles. But or on different devices, should I say. But what actually was a big announcement, which we knew were, was coming, um, but has kind of been offic- made official now, is that they're bringing their game streaming tech to the consoles, which to your listeners might be like, well, I would have thought that was there all along, but it actually wasn't. It was only on like your phones and your laptops and your tablets. But now, before the end of the year, you'll be able to stream games directly to your Xbox via their Xbox Cloud Gaming. You will need to be an Xbox Game Pass Ultimate member. I think it's about 11 or 13 euro a month. So it is a subscription you would need to sign up for. But it will give you access to, I think it's like hundreds of three or 400 games at this stage. First party titles. Uh, Halo will be on there. Forza Horizon 5 will be on there very first day it launches. But what was really, really interesting, and not to go on about it too much, but this streaming app will not only be coming to the new consoles, which came out last November, but also to the Xbox One, which came out in November or back in 2013. So technically, and like it's quite groundbreaking when you look at it, you will be able to stream brand new Xbox Series X versions of games on your Xbox One console from eight, nine years ago. So it's 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 pretty impressive that they're doing this. And it's a real show that Microsoft are, are thinking about their gamers, thinking about their consumers and bringing everyone along to the next gen of gaming. So it's, it was a really impressive step. How will new titles look on the older consoles? Well, they think with the Xbox, they kind of updated all of their, their server farms. And this is basically where they have all these consoles, basically Xbox Series X consoles, all stacked up in, in this massive kind of data center or streaming center across in different locations across the world. And one of the little snippets from the video they showed was that these streams from these consoles to your home console will be at maximum 1080p and 60 frames per second. So you're not going to be getting 4K streams to your TV on your on your console, unfortunately. But still, for most people that probably have an Xbox One in a bedroom, they're not going to have a massive 4K TV to be streaming it on. So if you've got a 1080p screen, and even at that, that's more than enough for most people. Mm-hmm. So you're going to be getting like the, the, the increased or the, the really the, the reduced load times, basically. So load times are basically non-existent on some next-gen games so you'll even even as a gamer you'll notice that difference immediately and then you'll just get better kind of visuals in the games there'll be more detail in the characters the worlds will be bigger and everything will just look um a bit more kind of densely populated and a bit more refined but as i said it will be 1080p 60 frames a second which but but for most people that's more than enough so it's it's still going to look really nice for for most gamers you mentioned there about the subscription for the streaming service so to be able to stream games and so on does that represent good value and I know that's kind of a a subjective uh, or an objective um, uh, question because it depends obviously on how much you game and so on but when you look at the price of of certain games they they are super expensive so between 11 and 13 quid a month sounds like good value but is it really it's it's it really really is and i'm sorry now I, I i think it is 11 euro or maybe i think it's at 12.99 a month to be exact but what microsoft have done they've been clever they've 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 kind of locked off the access to the streaming capabilities across all devices both the consoles this christmas and then your your phone your tablet your laptop um by being part of the, what I, they call the Xbox Game Pass Ultimate subscription and it's not just the streaming capabilities that come with that subscription you you also get access to like that catalog of games i mentioned so you're going to get 3 or 400 games you can play instantly on your on your you, you can download any of these 
three or four hundred games to your Xbox One or your Xbox uh, Series X or, or new console. So it's the streaming capabilities is a nice add-on almost to that subscription. But the real value is getting those three or four hundred games at your fingertips um, on any device. As I said, if you're streaming them, but you know you're going to be getting Halo Infinite, the brand new Halo game, on day one, December eighth. You're going to be getting Forza Horizon Five launching november 9th like playstation just can't touch the value here because you're not with playstation yes they have their playstation plus subscription they have playstation now which is their streaming subscription but they are not putting their brand new titles day one on their subscriptions like xbox are so the value is really unprecedented in gaming and people just can't believe how much value they're getting out of this so it's really worth the money really if you are a heavy gamer i think if, if you are you probably already have one of these subscriptions but if you're not you should definitely sign up obviously it's all dependent on um how good or otherwise your internet connection is but do we anticipate this impacting game sales and I am always curious as to how if it does that would impact the representation of you know the most popular game in the world or you know all those kind of stats and and headlines yeah. that we throw around I th- well, I don't know if it's just really good marketing, but I, I believe it myself from what I see online is that, you know, a lot of these games, as I say, are launching day one on the platform for, for no additional cost. But it's kind of like a halo effect because when people like myself with a subscription get on to play these games straight away, we see how good they are or how bad they are. But usually the good ones really rise to the top. They get tweeted about, people talk about them, and people that aren't keen on subscription services just buy them outright. Mm-hmm. And some titles launching on this streaming service or on this game kind of... Uh, platform on xbox are also launching on the likes of playstation as well so sales for that console kind of also get a knock-on effect so it's like a rising tide raises all boats so when you see the good feedback coming in for a game that's available on the subscription service other gamers on the likes of playstation are going oh i really want to play that now because i've seen so many people tweeting about it and they end up buying it outright on that platform so it's actually it's really good marketing almost for for a title that might not have got the the appeal prior and be, you know it would have been a harder sell quite literally but now that people are playing it for free in inverted commas because of the sub- subscription service it's giving them really good op- uh, opportunities to get their 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 game out there mm. i can't let a mention of force of five uh go without picking up on it we got a good bit of footage of of gameplay um are we still excited about it yeah, like they, everything they show off, it just keeps getting better and better. Like everything I've watched on YouTube just looks absolutely stunning. They've they've really upped basically everything in the in the game visuals alone. Like it's set in Mexico. It's you've got all the different biomes, so it's not just deserts and beaches. You've got forests. You've got uh, cities. You've got small towns. And the, the way they're blended together in in the visuals or in the in the gameplay looks absolutely stunning. So I just cannot wait. Like YouTube is fantastic at showing 4K video, but even at that, it's compressed. So you're not actually getting the full wow factor. You're not getting the high dynamic range. And then they're all just visual kind of nerdy things I'm looking forward to experiencing on a home console directly. But yeah, look up. They look very confident. It's playground games that are behind all of these Forza Horizon games. They they do a lot of like almost like a monthly stream for fans to show off what they can expect show new features, show new locations, just to kind of keep wetting people's appetites up to November 9th when it finally launches. So it's going to be a very, very popular game for the console, for Xbox this Christmas. Yeah, I'm very excited about it, obviously. Um, so that's what we got on Tuesday, but Wednesday seemed to be the, the headliner. Yeah, so Wednesday actually came out a lot stronger than what people would have felt. It, it was hosted on um, 
yeah, Wednesday night, and it was called Gamescom Opening Night Live with Jeff Keighley. So Jeff is a very big name, if not one of the biggest names in gaming, really. He kind of organizes the Game Awards every December in LA. They're like the Oscars. They are as big as the Oscars. And so he helps the guys at Gamescom, which runs in Cologne um, in Germany every year, but was virtual this year again because of COVID. But yeah, happened on Wednesday, ran for two hours, some really big trailer announcements. We got Far Cry 6. We got some brand new kind of gameplay footage or kind of a story trailer for that. So we have Giancarlo Esposito, and your listeners might remember him as Gus Fring from Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. or even uh, people that are the Mandalorian fans. He was the baddie, Moff Gideon in The Mandalorian. He is a de- He's playing a really evil dictator in this new Far Cry 6 called Anton Castillo, and he's kind of run- ruling over this fictional island called Yara, which is kind of loosely based on Cuba. Um, it looks a bit mad. It looks really visually stunning. It'll look the best, I guess, on the new consoles, and it's launching October 7th, both on the new consoles and the previous gen consoles. Okay, that that uh, launch time will fly in now. We're not that long away, so that's exciting. Uh, we also got a, a sort of more in-depth look at Call of Duty. Yeah, so as we said last week, it's kind of going to be one of the biggest Christmases in a long time where both, well, all Call of Duty, Battlefield and Halo are all launching this Christmas window. So first-person shooter fans are really in for a treat. So we got a really nice extended look at the brand new Call of Duty called Vanguard. Um, so it's going to have both multiplayer and a campaign. So in, the, in on a, on Wednesday night's show, we got a look at about a good extended look at some of the campaign footage um, where it's basically set in World War II. You're kind of in Stalingrad playing as um, uh, Polina Petrova. She's one of the Red Army members and you're kind of fighting against the invasion. And again, as you can imagine, it looked it looked insane, very, very visually striking, you know, really intense, launching November 5th. So as I said, yeah, coming up to this Christmas, it's going to be a crazy, crazy busy year for gamers. Yeah, you mentioned Halo there as well. We got a bit more info about that. Yeah, so everyone was kind of taken aback that on Tuesday night, Microsoft, who obviously own Halo, and it's one of their biggest titles ever, um, completely ignored the title, didn't announce anything about it. But then come Wednesday night with Jeff Keighley, they actually got the t- got to, got on stage and announced that we finally have a launch date, which was kind of leaked a few days prior, but that's okay. No one really cares. So December 8th, 2021, we're finally going to get our hands on the campaign and multiplayer for Halo Infinite. So people are really, really excited. The internet was like, apps finally they've announced it you know they cannot wait there's a there's an exclusive kind of limited edition xbox series x console that's launched covered in halo branding they've got a brand new xbox elite controller 2 that's going to be like all the bells and whistles it looks like a a halo car it looks like master chief with all the color uh, combinations so yeah gamers are really really excited uh, for, for the launch of this one this christmas also for fans of franchises we have a new lego star wars and there's a new marvel game as well yeah, so the Lego Star Wars game is called the Skywalker Saga. So for the first time ever, you're going to have all nine movies are going to span this game. It's a still a tongue-in-cheek, a bit more lighthearted. And as you said, it's basically Lego characters re- reenacting famous scenes, scenarios, battles from the the, the, the the nine movies known as the Skywalker Saga. Um, but they said, unfortunately, that that will be coming out in spring 2022. But with everything coming out this side of Christmas, I think people are happy to have a bit of breathing room. And yeah, a new Marvel game that people didn't really know was coming. Well, I hadn't seen any leaks for it. It's called Midnight Suns. So it's based off a famous Marvel comic kind of uh, 
series from back in the day and you're kind of you're going to be taking control of the likes of Wolverine who's obviously an X-Men but he's now being brought into the into the into the ring you've got Doctor Strange and you've got Blade even so it's going to be a tactical RPG from the developers called 2K so your listeners might know that they've worked on the XCOM games which were very very popular tactical RPG games so they they feel it's in safe hands it definitely feels like we're we're starting to get that I remember talking to you I don't know if it was before Christmas last year or early this year. And we were kind of saying that, like, yes, we have these new consoles. Yes, there's amazing. It's amazing. But there's not really enough new titles to kind of get us excited. It seems now that the, the, the new titles are going to come out thick and fast over the next six months or so. Yeah, it's a case of be, not be careful what you wish for. But as, as you said, we said, God, what are we going to play, though? Mm. And like all these developers were kind of waiting in the wings, waiting to pick the right moment, waiting for these big events really to show off their wares. And I think a lot of them are almost kind of waiting for the heavy hitters like Call of Duty, like Halo and like uh, Battlefield to announce their launch date. Because like anything, like the cinema releases, when the big movies come out, other other production studios, other developers want to stay or you know, they want to steer clear of those launch weeks so they don't get kind of lost in the noise of these huge titles. So people are finally slotting their dates into a calendar, kind of put, showing off why people need to pick up their title. And yeah, it was spoiled for riches now. We're literally, there's calendars, you know, there's release calendars being shown on Twitter going, how the hell is my bank balance going to cope when all these games <laughs> launch? Because it's going to be back to back kind of big, big titles. Um, one of the the big sort of hotly anticipated games that we we spoke about quite a bit was Cyberpunk's, and we know that it didn't exactly go according to plan. There were quite a few bugs. There was a lot of disappointed fans. I'm assuming everybody in the gaming world watched that with very, very, you know, eager eyes to see how it played out and so on, but also hopefully learned lessons from it as well. Yeah, like there's still patching the game they're still Mm. updating it i think we're currently on update 1.3 um for whatever that means for certain listeners they're they're constantly just finding errors issues they have kind of said look at it's at a play it's definitely at a a much more playable state than it ever was to the point where playstation finally allowed it back onto their kind of digital store which was kind of unprecedented because i think a week after it all started hitting the fan playstation pulled it and it would never really that's never really been seen before just to show how bad quality and playstation just didn't feel it was showcasing what they should be offering their their gamers or their their customers so finally it's back on the playstation store they're constantly updating it one date that a lot of people are still waiting for though is that they have announced before the end of this year along with everything else that's coming out they will be updating the game to support to fully support the new consoles me personally I'm actually waiting to see what that looks like. I'm t- I, I never p- picked up the game when it came out at, uh, last year at, in November or December, uh, but now I'm kind of re- eagerly anticipating to see some footage to see what they're actually going to do with the new consoles, and that then will make, give them another lease of life, kind of show that they're, they're they mean well, they're kind of correcting their ways or correcting their errors, and really want to get the, their their gamers and their fan base back on side. But yeah, it scared a lot of the gaming industry to go. We cannot put a game out that's not ready because it will be torn apart. So you know, we see delays. The likes of for, uh, Horizon, Horizon Forbidden West, I think it was go- meant to be PlayStation's biggest lo- uh, kind of exclusive title this side of Christmas, has unfortunately been pushed back to next February 2022. That's a big blow to PlayStation for this Christmas. But look, at they're still selling like hotcakes and people are still trying to get their hands on them. So I don't think PlayStation are too put out by that. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. We were talking to um, Derek Riley from the EV Review Ireland YouTube channel in part two of the show when we were talking about the chip shortage and how that's going to disrupt the car industry. And it really is one to watch in terms of will we have enough consoles, not even just consoles, but tech devices this Christmas. It's, It's a real worry. Yeah, no, it's it, there's many videos kind of done online that I've watched about this. And as you said, it's almost the car industry is being hit that some people are like, really? Mm-hmm. To the point where, you know, a digital speedometer in a car cannot be, can, you know, can't run without one of these semiconductors, which are in short supply all over the world. So cars are either being delayed by months or just launching with kind of analog, old school, physical speedometers or, you know, something as, as crazy as that. And as you said, it's filtering into all aspects of people's lives. So consoles are a nice pastime, they're nice fun, but they're being hit that they can't make these devices with enough because there's so, such a shortage of these semiconductor chips. Mm-hmm. And it's all, you know, it's going down to something as small as, you know, fridges, you know, smart fridges these days have, have semiconductor, anything really that has a bit of electronics in it um, needs a semiconductor to work. So it's, it's going to impact globally you know in terms of devices for people for people's homes yeah not ideal as the fella says um john <laughs> riley of the effect.net thanks so much for joining us here on news talk as always cheers jess and that is all we have time for this week if you missed any of the show you can listen back in full on the news talk app powered by go loud john friday's up next here on news talk i'll chat to you next week